Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. If your Bible's with you, I want you to turn, just go to, um, oh, where do I want you to go? Go to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to, we'll come there in a second. Uh, but before we get going here, I want to just, again, reiterate a few things that we're talking about just last week and then tonight. We're just taking some time just to talk a little bit about who we are, the heartbeat, the purpose, the vision, the, the reason why this church exists, just to take some time because, I mean, it's been so cool over the past really few months. We've started to see a lot of new families, a lot of new faces come and make this church their home, and we are thrilled that you came here. We're so honored that you become part of this family. We want to welcome you. And when we say those signs that out in those that foyer over there or this one here, you belong here, we really mean that. And uh, just to reiterate, I went out with a gentleman, Daniel, over here uh, for coffee this past week. And what does that sign mean? You belong here. That's kind of how we took it. Like, don't scare me. Like, you, you belong here. Nowhere else. Anywhere else, you don't belong there, but you belong here. That's not the intention. The intention of that is we want this to feel like home. We want this to feel like family. So when you come in here, you're amongst brothers and sisters. And so that's why we even do Saturday nights is because who we are, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we want that you belong here. Just so you got that clear, Daniel, you're not, you're good now. Okay, we're, we're all good now. But just so that we're clear, that you understand that too, that you actually belong here and we're thrilled to have you. And uh, so we went over a little bit about that heartbeat booklet. Anybody still got that heartbeat booklet? Oh, no, we don't have any. Okay, well, if you don't have it, you can actually go on your phone right now, impactlife.ca, and check out our heartbeat. It's all on there. And uh, just want to real touch base real quickly on a few things on it. Uh, so here, the vision of Impact Life Church is impacting generations for Jesus. So our heartbeat is to impact generations for Jesus, right? That's what we're all about. And so how do we do this now? What's the, you know, what's the tangible way? Because that all sounds good, okay, impacting generations for Jesus, but how do you do that? And this is the four things that the Lord gave us as in our priorities. So if you got that little booklet, if you maybe have one, if you don't, you'll see it on the pages. we got four things that we really focus on. And the first one is, is we are a strong, do we have those up there, guys? A strong word-centered church in central Alberta. Number two, then, is we are a training and distribution center of leaders in every generation. Number three is we are a, can we read it together, a strong, not wimpy. Um, am I a bit, just wait, can you guys hear me or am I, I'm, I'm a little bit tingy up here, guys. I can hear me and I'm, I sound annoying to me. So, I'm, so I apologize if I'm annoying you. Is that, is that me? I don't know. Number three is a strong influence for God. Can we read it together? If you don't read, don't. Just don't follow us, but so a strong influence for God in our city. And number four is we are a distribution center of the word in every form. So how do you impact generations for Jesus? Does anybody know? The four things we just read, right? That, was, that would be the answer. The four things we just read. That's how we strategically do that is we focus. So everything that we do, your tithes and offerings, everything that you're a part of, reason why you're serving on a team in any kind of department is that we are accomplishing these four things right here. That's what we're doing. That's what God told us. And so we're focusing real strongly on that. Everybody that's cool with everyone? And if you've got more questions, we can talk more about that in depth. Uh, but the next thing I want to show you again is just our logo because... Again, people kind of look, okay, it's just a bunch of arrows, right? How many arrows do you see? 
Oh, but do you? Or is it four? How many, how many see three? How many of you see four? How many of you don't care? Okay. I'm glad nobody raised their hand. Okay, I'm, thank you for that. But the reason, I just want to show this because sometimes, you know, logos really, we want it to speak for itself. And so really what, what our heart and intention is, we talked about it a little bit last week, but we reach out, right? You can see those two arrows. They kind of, they, can you see that? They, they start off, sorry, I'm getting caught up in my microphone here. They start off and they reach out. You see that? Everybody reach out. And then what? We draw in. And then the one in the middle, we lift up. So, huh, 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 right? Can we all do this together just so I don't feel stupid? Huh, huh, huh. Hoo, 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 hoo. And then you worked out. Just like that, you've done your workout for the day. And this also goes in real closely with our mission. So our vision is impacting generations for Jesus. Our mission is the lost get saved. We reach out. The saved get established. We draw in, right? And then lastly is the established get going. We lift up. So this is who we are. This is our whole focus that we're doing. So this whole exercise. So not only are you getting spiritually fit, you're also getting physically fit. All right, I'm glad that glad you got that joke. Okay, here we go. Next thing I want to just show you now too then is now effectively carrying out these priorities. Right? Talking about how can we be a strong word-centered church? How can we train and distribute leaders in every generation? How do we have influence for, uh, for God or influence with people in this region? How do we effectively get our message out to impact lives? These are all fantastic questions. And we got a lot of great things that we do just from a natural, practical avenue. But one of the things that I want to actually just focus in on as I spend some time just praying about this weekend is I just felt the Lord just tell me, I want to really focus on who we are, not so much what we do. Because when we get who we are properly down placed, then what we do will be automatic, right? So we really want to focus. Part of that is culture talk, but we really want to establish who we are, right? Anybody interested in who we are? I mean, you as an individual, you want to know who am I? Because when you know who you are, when you know that you are a child of God, then I can act like a child of God, right? A lot of times we do it backwards. We just start doing the acting, but I don't know exactly who I am. So this is why we've taken just two weeks this month just to really establish and talk about who we are as a church family that the Lord gave us. So, I mean, even before we get all into this, you know, churches back in, you know, in Paul's day when he was writing these books, <clears throat> you can see it a few times that churches were really known for who they were. And I'll give you a couple examples. In Ephesians chapter 1, I think I got the scriptures here. Verse 15. Notice this. That says, ever since, this is Paul before he goes into praying for this church, he said, ever since I first heard of your strong faith, in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, he goes on to say, I couldn't stop praying for you. Now notice, what was this church known for? They were known for their strong faith in the Lord Jesus and what? And their love for who? God's people where? Everywhere. This is what they were known for. Now, I don't know about you, they, uh, you may have never not heard of Impact Life Church, maybe you have. Everybody already has a perceived or idea of what the church is like. And so that's why we really want to establish who we are so that it's not just being talked about, oh, that church is crazy, that church is whatever, da, da, da. We want to be on purpose. This is who we are. So we said it so that we can effectively go forward. You know, Colossians chapter 1, I want you to see this too, verse 4. It says this. Now notice, again, this is Paul and his team. They're talking. It says, we have heard... Of what? Your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for 
all of God's people. This is what they were known for. Now, I, if you spend some time just kind of studying the different churches, if you read the book of Corinthians, anybody know what the Corinthian church was known for? Anybody? What? Love? Not quite. Uh, they were a very carnal church, right? They had a lot of gifts, but they had a lot of carnal people. Then what about the Galatian church? They were known for? You left the gospel. You followed something else. So Paul had to go real strongly and hit them. So for me, I'm like, man, I really want to know, okay, this is what I want to be known for. Impact Life Church. When people hear that word, I want them to think faith in God and love for God's people everywhere. Right? Wouldn't that be a cool thing of you? They said your name. Oh man, that person, he loves God. He knows God. And boy, he sure, he loves people. Right? Anybody else want that said about them? I want that said about me. And the last one I want to show you is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says this in the Passion Bible. Paul says, For we remember before our God and Father how you put your faith into practice, how your love motivates you to serve others, and how unrelenting is your hope-filled patience in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know a lot of times this isn't the, ooh, let's go for a run, this is exciting stuff. But this is absolutely required. I want to be known for something. What does your legacy want to be known for? The church's legacy. I want to be known this. And I love what Paul said about this church in Thessalonica. He said, man, your faith, you put your faith into practice, number one. Then secondly, your love is motivating you to serve other people. Hello. And then on top of that, how unrelenting is your hope-filled patience in the Lord Jesus Christ? Meaning, you got heaven on your mind. I'm excited. That's where I'm heading. This is how these people live. They lived with a conscious mindset of, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to apply my faith here in this earth. And I'm going to just love people because Jesus loved me. This is what they were known for. And the result of that, the Thessalonica church did things. Right? Because of their faith in God and their love for God's people everywhere, the church in Ephesus did things. Right? They impacted. They reached people. So again, we got to talk a little bit about this again, just so we really understand this is who we are. Because we can easily do stuff, but if we don't have a motivation factor behind it, if we're just doing it because oh, it's a good Christian duty, we're missing the point of what we're doing, and we won't actually get the full reward. So I don't know about you, but I want to get this established strongly on the inside of me too. Right? Okay. So, Proverbs chapter 3, you're there? Alright, now I want to just spend some time looking at this again. Proverbs 3, verse... Actually, if you got your Bibles, I have verse 3 and 4 on here, but I'm going to read verse 1. He says, My child, never forget... Everybody say, never forget. Never forget, never forget the things that I have taught you. Now, this is now... Solomon writing this from his father, David, who gave him all these instructions, right? He really helped him encourage him in these things. He says, store my commands in your heart. Why? If you do this, you will live many years. Hello. And then on top of it, he says, and your life will be satisfying. And isn't this wonderful? So what do I want to do? I want to put his words on the inside of me. Why? So I can live long. People kind of think, oh, well, whatever happens in life happens. This is right here, guaranteed proof that you can live long by putting his word in your heart. You can you can enjoy good days. You can have a satisfying life by putting the Word of God on the inside of you. When it's in there, what happens? Long life, and on top of it, satisfying. Anybody, I don't want to just live long and it sucks. <laughs> well, I promise you 120 years. Oh, God, this is brutal. I just want to get out of here. I, I want the satisfactory life on top of the 120 years. Anybody else? <laughs> okay, good. Then verse 3. Now, I just find these words are so powerful, but he says this, never let 
loyalty, never let kindness leave you. So we showed this last week, but just to properly illustrate it again, but if, for us to properly affect, reach out, draw, and lift up, we've got to hold on to truth and love, kindness. I mean, those are the words there, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. If you look in other translations, a more Hebrew descriptive word would be truth and love. Never let truth and love leave you. Now, so what do you think the temptation is when somebody cuts you off in the road? What wants to leave you? <laughs> oh, love wants to leave. So love is trying to get... A, so this is why he goes on to say, tie them around your neck as a reminder. In the Old Testament, they did a lot of that. Like the, the old Pharisees and stuff. They would tie scriptures. They'd have it on their wrist. They'd have a little things in front. So it would keep it in front of their eyes all the time. So he's saying, get this in front of you. This is who you are. You are a person of truth. You are a person of love. It's in you. This is who I am. Then he says, write them deep within your heart. Now, how do you write that deep within your heart? How do you put anything deep into your heart? This is just a little sidetrack. I believe it's Psalm 42, but the psalmist says that my pen is like, or sorry, my heart is like the pen of a ready writer. Meaning, or sorry, not my heart, my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Meaning that my tongue is like a pen. I can actually write things on my heart by saying it. Right? So how do I write things on my heart? I say it because my tongue is like a pen. Blah, 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 blah. And what's happening? You're writing stuff on your heart. So how do I write them love and truth on my heart? I speak it to myself. Like he's, this is not just a, you know, it'd be a good idea for you not to, not to leave it. No, he said, never let truth, never let love leave you ever. Like what would happen if truth left you? And you're stuck with love. What, what are you? Really, you're just kind of a wishy-washy. You're a nice guy, but you may be wishy-washy, right? Kind of a phony. What happens if love leaves you and all you got is truth? Are you much fun to be around? What's that? You're, you're a gong. You're just a clanging symbol, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. If you have truth but no love, woo, you are just a banging, clanging symbol. There's no value in any of that. So again, looking at verse 3, never let. Everybody say, never let. You cannot let this leave you. No matter how hard the circumstances are, no matter what goes on around you, never let it leave you. Why? Verse 4 goes on to say, Then you will find favor with both God and men. You want favor with men? Guess what you have to have? Truth and love. It's the combination of these two that gives you favor with men. And then on top of it, it goes on to say, and you will earn a good reputation. So notice what comes first is me holding on these, to these two key elements in my life, truth and love. I'll be holding on to this. It will give me a good reputation. So many people are trying to earn a good reputation. They're trying to, you know, make one for themselves. Listen, if you just hold on to these two things, it'll make it for you. Right and now, the, the notice that the Lord told me this a little bit of time with this is that right here, this to earn this good reputation, it takes time. So I find even right now, like we've only been Impact Life Church, it'll be two years next month. So what we've been doing really for this last little while is we've just been holding on to truth and love and just continue to speak it. And what's what we're starting to see is our reputation is starting to go out. Because a lot of times you can just go out with a bang and say, this is who we are, this is where we're at, blah, 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 blah. And you can start saying all these things, but that doesn't change anybody. People want to see what you're like in the long term. 
They want to see the heart. They want to see what you're like. They want to see your character. They want to see how you stand when tough things go around. So truth and love is what we're holding on to. And what's going to happen? Our reputation is going to be just laid out for us. So this, this is our only key right here. This is it. And we're not doing anything else. As a church, this is who we are. We hold on to truth. We hold on to love. So when we talk even amongst ourselves, if you just have this in your mindset, all of a sudden you walk up into these church doors and you just, whoosh, I got my truth. Whoosh, I got my love. Guess what? Now you are ready for impact. See what happens if you left truth at home and you just come with love? Oh, it's going to be sweet, but people aren't going to be able to go to you for answers. On the other hand, if you just leave love and you just bring truth to church, oh, Jesus, watch out. Right? So we need both the combination of, watch out, watch out, here I am. Right? Anybody ever have a conversation with somebody before and all you had was truth? Ever anybody do that in their marriage before? Where are my truth, truth waivers? Where are you at? Come on. Okay, there's one. Anybody else? Come on, you truth people. Let's see it. Just one is daring to raise their hand. Well, the rest of you, liars, where are you? I know you're out there. On the other hand, where are the people that are just, oh, I'm just lovey-dovey every time that I meet my spouse? Javen, okay, there's a... You really? Okay. Wow. Just a bunch of nice people. But listen, notice that on both cases, you lose if you just have one or the other. So what do you need? You need the combination of them both. And because if you look at it, spending time, it actually, they appear to be opposites, don't they? They appear to be opposites. But again, Psalm 85 verse 10, it says that when they come together, it is extremely powerful. So again, I'm, I want to just spend some time talking about who we are. We are truth and we are love. So let's talk about love for a little bit. This is going to be very basic for a lot of you because I know, I know most of you guys. But uh, it's good just to go over some of this stuff again, okay? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's just talk about love for a moment. Does anybody, I'm, I should actually, does anybody want, to, want a pair of these? We can hook you up. This is a pair of batons. Anytime you walk into a restaurant, whoa. Even though they messed up my Starbucks order, I got love and I got truth. If I just got truth, you messed up my order. What's wrong with you? Coffee in the face. Other hand, if I just got love, oh, it's okay. I'll just drink my double frappe latte gape, and I'll be fine with it. No, I want both. Okay. All right, Gabby. You know what I'm saying, Gabby? Right? She's a Starbucks girl right there. Isn't it nice to deal with customers who's got a little bit of both? Okay. So, First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And let's look at these. Verse 4. Can we read it out together? Love is patient and kind. Now let's just stop here for a sec. I'm going to just take some time to talk about what love is. And the, we'll also read it what love is not. Love is, right here, right off the bat, it says love is patient and love is kind. So what is patience? Patient is you are consistent even in the face of trials, delay, or problems. This is who I am. I am patient. Everybody say that with me. I am patient. Do you want to know why I say that? Say it after me? It's because, again, my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. I have to say it. Even though I may not be patient, but I'm writing it on my heart so that it's who I become. Because it's already who I am, but now I want to be that. Right? Secondly, it's kind. Love is kind means I am tender-hearted, I am caring, and I'm loving. That's it. I'm just, I'm kind. Tender-hearted. Now you can, while you're patient, you also need to be kind. Right? Love is patient and kind. I mean, anybody, it's one thing to be patient for an amount of time, but also now you've got to throw kindness in the midst of it. Right? While you're waiting, while things are not taking the, 
as quickly as you wish him to be. You still have to hold on to these two virtues. Now going on, love is now not jealous or boastful or proud, and he goes on to say, or rude. So let's just define these for a sec. Jealous. So love is not jealous. Anybody want to yell at me, what is jealousy? Okay, I'll tell you what it is. Feeling or showing envy of someone or their achievements and advantages. Just envy for somebody else. So love is not showing envy of someone else for their achievements or their advantages. I know this is very simple, but we got to get back to some of this stuff. Love is not boastful. Anybody know what boastful means? Showing excessive pride and self-satisfaction in one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. So this is not love. Love is not proud. What does proud mean? It's having a high opinion of yourself or your own importance. Right? Things that you are God's gift to the world. Anybody ever meet somebody like that before? They think without them, your world would fall into shambles. Not true. <laughs> love, and lastly, is not rude. What is rude? Practically speaking, what would rudeness look like? Ill-mannered? Anybody have any idea? Men, you're having a conversation, somebody, somebody jumps in the middle and says, Oh, excuse me, I've got to say this. That's, you're jumping in. That's, that's rude. That's not love. Am I hitting on some nerves here a little bit? I'm just trying to feel it out. So it goes on to say, love is this. Then the next verse, it goes on. It does not, love does not demand its own way. Can we say that? I do not demand my own way. If you just actually didn't demand your own way, your life would be a lot easier. I don't demand my own way. Then it goes on, love is not, what? Irritable. What does irritable mean? Easily annoyed or made angry. This was a big one for me, and I had to confess it for myself because when people would chew their food and they'd open their mouth, it would drive me nuts. Yeah. Can you hear that? We call that smucking, and it would drive me bonkers. Listen to somebody chew with their mouth open. But I had to go on to say, love is not irritable. So Joel, you are not irritable. And I've actually seen, Jamie, you can tell, me if, tell everybody if I'm wrong, but I've actually grown in that area. Well, you have to say yes. But, but I mean, my boys, just this morning, they're enjoying a good, good piece of cereal. And man, I tell you, their gums are just a smacking. And then all that, Jamie gave them a, a, a metal spoon. And I'm, girl, you've got to give them the plastic ones. She gave them the metal spoons. And every time it go in their mouth, the teeth hitting the metal every single bite. And it's early in the morning. And it's just, <laughs> so I noticed myself, I am not irritable. I, this is fine with me. But boys, I'm going to teach you how to eat. Because first of all, no girl is going to want to date you the way you're eating right now. Tell you that right now. Anyways, can, oh, enough with me. We'll talk about you. Love keeps no record of being wronged. So when I walk around with my truth stick, no matter what kind of conversation it is, no matter what day I wake up, no matter what happened to me in the past, I have got to hold on to this love, my love stick. Because what I'm saying that is, I'm keeping no account of anything done to me in the past. Sure, it may have hurt people, may have done some things, but man, I got to let that go. Why? Because the love of God in me helps me do that. Listen, if you put this stick down, just think about it for a moment. Oh man, some, that person did me wrong. As long as you hold on to that grudge, look at your effectiveness. It's gone. Now you just have truth. You're not able to effectively love. You're not effectively able to do that. 
Right? I know this is very basic, but can you see this? I want you to see, man. So that in order to have favor with God and man, I have to have both of these out. If I'm taking on, holding on to a record of being wrong, guess what? I'm actually affecting my own self. It's hurting me and my effectiveness to reach people. Go on to say, love now does not rejoice about injustice. Now what would that mean or any kind of corruption? It takes no pleasure in corruption at all. It hates it, it detests it. So again now, going back now, it goes on to say, but what love does do, love now, it does rejoice whenever the truth wins out. When truth wins, when justice wins, guess what? Love goes, hey-oh, we got it. This is what we're for. Okay? Then it goes on to say, love now. Now notice these qualities. Love never what? It never gives up. Can I encourage you? Don't give up. Don't give up on anything. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your spouse. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on your finances. Don't give up on your calling. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Why? Because love doesn't give up. It's not over yet. You know that scripture in Micah and says, oh, enemy, don't laugh at me yet because when I fall, I'm going to arise. Even you may have fallen. Don't give up. Don't stop. Right? And I'll show you, you have it on the inside of you. The next it does, love never loses faith. It never loses it. It never lets it go. God told me this. God said this. God told me this is the way it's going to be. I am standing strong to it. This is now the love of God and mo motivation in you. Yeah. It's working. Then it goes on to say, love endure, or sorry, is always hopeful. Always hopeful. Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. It, it, that, those words never even come out of it. So again, I'm not telling you don't say, oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying get so filled with the love of God that's for you and for others, it'll change the way you see the world. Amen. It absolutely will radically change it. It's always hopeful. What is always hopeful? Some of those people think, man, they're just annoying to be around because they're always hopeful. They're always looking at the good end of the stick. Right? Listen, you're not going to hell, so nobody should be madness tonight. You're not going there. Hey-oh, you win. But it's always hopeful. Oh man, just things don't, things don't be, seem to be looking too good around for me. But listen, I believe God. What does it do? It's able to put a smile on my face. I'm able to rejoice in the presence, in the middle of tough circumstances. Why? Because I'm so full of the love of God. Listen, everything we sang tonight, those, if those are just words to you, it won't do you any good. But when you believe, man, there is no mountain that he won't climb up coming after me. I believe that. There's no lie that he's not going to just tear down that thing and get all of me so he can show me something. It's hopeful for it. Then that love endures. Everybody say endures. Endures through every circumstance. How crappy is it for you right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, it may be a 10, but with love you're able to endure. Endure doesn't just mean, oh God, I gotta get through. This is rough. No, endurance means I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I see the goodness of God. I'm so grateful my God is for me. He's not against me. I can do this. I can do this. It's hopeful for it and I can endure through it and I don't change. Man, I love this stuff. Uh, verse, well, it doesn't have it on there, but in other translations in the New King James, or for example, it goes on to say, love never, what? Fails. So say this, I can't fail. When you're operating and you're holding on to love and you're operating in love, even though it may look like you're the doormat, you're not. Jesus was, no, was weak in no way. 
There was no weakness around him. There was nothing you know, sad about him. He was strong all the time. Why? Because love cannot fail. So it says, turn the other cheek. Oh, that just sounds like I'm going to get whooped. No, it's showing strength. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Now then, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. So we hear all these things. Well, that's, that's good to know. But how does it benefit me? Well, I want you to notice the very last little part at the because, or let's just read this. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to do what? To fill our hearts with His love. Now, naturally speaking, the 1 Corinthians 13 we just read, you cannot do that on your own. There is no man-made love that you can ever accomplish this. But... You are not. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what you have on the inside of you? You have the love of God on the inside of you, right here, and you are filled with His love. So what do you got to do? Again, I'd encourage you and I, this is what we got to do. We got to fill our hearts. Write this stuff down. I am patient and I am kind. I am not irritable. I am not boastful. I am not proud or rude. But what am I? I can endure long through any circumstance. You start speaking that to yourself on a regular basis, start seeing the change. Because listen, if we're just looking at natural human love, man, it is very limited. Right? That's why you see, man, just people divorcing. You see people having problems with their kids and just letting them go. It's crazy. But if you were actually controlled and compelled by the love of God, that stuff would be gone. But Christians, we got higher divorce rates than the doctors. Why? Because the love of God is not being formed. It's not working. It's not operating. Now, no condemnation. If, if that was your experience, if you had a divorce and things didn't go right, it, there may there be a whole lot of things. It takes two to tango. Right? That's the other side of it too. So I'm just giving you just an overall general census of the love of God. If a husband and wife are flowing it together, this is something that Jamie and I are continuing to work on, is the love of God in our marriage. Because if I'm just loving her from a natural perspective, it's very selfish. You girl got to please me. You got to do things for me. Me, get me, get, hook me up. Rather than if I can look at it from her perspective. And I'm going to show you that in a sec. So you are filled with his love so you can love like God. Man, isn't that amazing to think? I've heard this all my life, but it's just starting to impact me now that I can actually love like God. I can do it. You see in the, in the scriptures, Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed them all. What did it? Love motivated him to do it. Wasn't he was just waiting for something to happen? I'm going to just slap a prayer. No, love was the motivating force behind it to go in. And so when we do our impact days, how do we actually make an impact on these families that don't know God, maybe don't even want anything to do with God? What do we do? How do we handle it? We have the love of God that propels us forward. Well, what if they, what if they say nasty things about us? Who cares? The love of God is in there. It actually doesn't even matter. In fact, the disciples you see in the book of Acts, they celebrated when they got beat up. For Jesus' name's sake. They're going, yeah, we, we're worthy to actually bear his name. Beat us up. We don't care. What are they doing? They're operating in the God kind of love. It's supernatural. Quick little side note, but the Apostle John, remember the hymn? The Gospel or the, the, the Apostle of Love, they would call him. He wrote the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. It's not in Scripture, but in historical facts. It says that jo the Apostle John was the only one who was not martyred. The other disciples were. And they say one of the reasons he was not martyred is because he was the apostle of love. He knew how to tap in to the love of God. And the evil one could not touch him. It's amazing. Listen, they tried boiling him in oil. 
So there they go. They, they stuck him to a, a stake and they, you know, big crane and put him in this big oil. And all of a sudden, the reason they do that is so that the skin just melts off you. And so that they do, they just lift up bone. Skin just flats out. So what they did is they dipped him in this hot boiling thing. And after what they think John should be off of it, all of a sudden they pull it back out. Guess who's on there? John! Fully happy. Hey, y'all, I'm here. It's still good. So they couldn't kill this guy. It actually says that the emperor at that time, they were so scared of him, so they just sent him to the Isle of Patmos because they had no idea what to do with him. They couldn't kill him. Why? Because love guarded him. So love is more than just me acting. It's also a protection side of it. Right? I'm, I'm, God's got me in this love. He's got me here. Right? Jesus even tells us, John 59, remain in my love. Right? So again, now you're filled with his love, number two. You, now we are commanded to love. This isn't, holding on to the stick isn't just a suggestion that Jesus gave us. John 13, 34, 35, again, very familiar scriptures. Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he said, now I'm giving you a new, what does it say? Idea? A new suggestion? No, come on, what does it say? A commandment. If you actually looked at it, it actually means mandate. It's a mandate from the control room of heaven. Sir, yes, sir. This is how we're to live. Love, who? Oh, that didn't sound very loving. Love each other. Each other. This is it. Just as I have loved you. There's the standard. Right there. How am I supposed to love my brother and sister? How am I supposed to love you, anybody in this room? I'm supposed to love you just as Jesus loved me. <laughs> and then he said you should love each other. Verse 35, and I love this. We know these verses, but guys, think about it. And we're talking about making, having a strong outreach, having a strong impact, able to you know, get the word out, able to have a strong testimony. Your love for one another, didn't say the world. He's saying your love for one another. Disciples, Christians, your love for one another will prove to who? The world that you belong to me. This is it. He could have said love. He could have said, you know, your miracles. He could have said by the church gatherings you had. He could have said by the potlucks, how good your baseball team was. He could have said anything. But he said, your love for one another is going to be the strongest testimony that you belong to me. Man. I don't know about you, but I'm going to love you. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to do it. Why? Because first of all, it's a command. And I don't want to go against the commandment of Jesus. And second of all, I want the world to see... What God is really like through the church. You know what's crazy? Honestly, this baffles me. I, every once in a while, I have to, I honestly have stopped going on Facebook for a little while. Reason is, as I see Christians bashing Christians, and I go, no wonder the world wants nothing to do with you. No wonder. I got some pastor friends. I mean, they, I used to be youth pastor buddies with them. And they, there's just some stuff that's being said. I go... No wonder you are desperate. You're crying out for help. Your church is honestly sinking because you're bashing other Christians. It makes zero sense. Who cares? It's not my job to judge Joel Osteen. I love the man. I love his smile. I think he's got a great message. God is doing what he's asked him to do. My job is not to judge what he's doing. It's not our job. My job is to love him. The reason I use him because he's the biggest one that's being talked about more than anything else. People don't like him. Well, he's got him at... Man, forget about it. You're not God. You're not him. Now, what we do do, if there's anybody... I'm not, you know, just in general. So I'm saying, we are here to judge fruit. 
So he's not saying just, okay, well, you know, just accept their message. I'm not saying that. And I'm not talking about Pastor Joel Osteen. I'm talking about just in general. We say, well, I got to accept everybody's thing. Not true. You are to judge the fruit. If there's no fruit that leads into the word, stay away from it. You want nothing to do with it. Okay? So then we are filled with his love. If we're filled with his love, he can command us to love because we're able to do it now. And now thirdly, we are compelled by this love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it just says this, uh, Christ's love, what does it do? It controls us. This is not just ministers. <laughs> this is Christians. The love of Christ, other translations say it compels us. I like this word, it controls us. What are you controlled by? Who controls you? What controls you? If it's the love of Christ, man, now you're on a, now you're on a solid foundation. But now I want to just show you, that, I mean, it's good that we can hear Paul say, but now how do you actually do that? If the love of Christ controls me, well, how do, what does that look like? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19 through 23. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Bible. Now I want you just to think of this for a moment. Love. It's controlling me now. So Paul goes on to say, Now, even though I am free from obligations to others. How many of you are free from the obligation of others? Right? You've got to get free of people. And that's, that's something that I'm still working on myself is to be free of people. Why? So I can help them. <laughs> right? As long as you're still you know, afraid of what men think, of so what people will do to you, you're not able to effectively help mankind. But if you finally can get free of men, that's why Jesus was so successful. He didn't give a rook what anybody thought about him. They couldn't care if they liked him, if they didn't like him. He didn't care. He was going to just do what he was told to do. And in that result, he's able to affect people. So Paul's saying the same thing. He said, I'm free from the obligations to others. I don't owe anybody anything. Right? He says, I joyfully, now here's these words, I joyfully make myself a servant to all. Now this is something you've got to make yourself do. It doesn't just come and, oh, yeah, that, yeah. We, man, listen, church, we, we talk about this so much and, oh, this is so great. We put it on Facebook. We put it on Instagram. Put a quote around this. This, this you have to make yourself do. Yeah. I have to make myself a servant. I have to make myself love. Because what it is, your flesh is full of pride. It'll want to boast itself. It'll want to elevate itself. But controlled by the love of God, you actually bring yourself lower. Your flesh hates it, but spiritually speaking, you are the strongest thing. He goes on to say, why do I, I joyfully make myself a servant to all in order. So the reason why I do this is that I may win as many converts as possible. Now, for our sake of our conversation, for those that already are saved and those that are need to be saved, right? There's converts in the sense of need to hear our message, need to go deeper in Christ. And there's people that don't know Jesus. They need to know him. So this is why I'm doing this. I'm making myself a servant so people can come to know Jesus and so people can come and be persuaded by his teaching. Discipleship aspect. I'm going to use it for this case. Verse 20. Now, what is the first two words? What does it say? I became. So God didn't say, do this, or I'm going to force this on you. It's a choice that you make on the inside. Again, controlled by the love of God. I became... Jewish to the Jewish people <laughs> in order to win them to the Messiah. Next, what is the next two words? Say it, let's say it together. I became, this is what I do, I became like one under the law to gain the people who were stuck under the law even though I myself am not under the law. Do you see himself? He's putting himself in these positions that he doesn't have to. But I'm going to do it. 
Why? So I can win people to Christ. Verse 21. And to those who are without Jewish laws, what does it say? Come on, say it with me, everyone. I became like them as one without the Jewish laws in order to win them, although I'm not outside, outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Verse 22, what is the first two words? I became weak to the weak to win the weak. <laughs> I became weak to the weak to win the weak. Now notice this. I have adopted, or sorry, I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. I've done all of this so I would become God's, notice this, His partner for the sake of the gospel. Now this has been a desire of my heart is I want to be a partner with God. Yes, I love God. Yes, I love working for Him. I love being a servant with Him. But the Bible, Paul actually says in 1 Corinthians 4, is that we are co-laborers together with God. What does working with God look like? I have to become something in order to, for Him to reach and hook up with somebody. So in other words, I'm going to just use this for my terminology. Paul said, I chameleoned myself. Anybody know what a chameleon is? What are they able to do? Change the look, change their color, right? No matter what kind of situation that they're in, if they go against a gray rock, they turn gray. All of a sudden they jump on a green leaf, I'm green. Right? They jump on something purple, purple flower, boom, I'm purple. Paul is saying, I've chameleoned myself. I took on different shapes. I took on different identities, different personalities. I discovered new connecting points, new empathy strategies. He did all of this now to be a servant. Everybody say servant. servant. To be a servant, he, to enter people's world, he came in as a servant, not a teacher. He didn't come in to teach them. He didn't come in to lead them. He came in to serve them. When you come in from that perspective, it is way different because no matter if somebody's weak, I got to meet them where they're at because they're not where you're at spiritually speaking. They're not where you're at even mentally speaking. So what do I need to do? I have to become like them to reach them. So I just love like these words. But Paul, he basically say, I'm chameleon myself. When I'm with the Jews, what? I'm a Jew. When I'm with the Gentiles, wah, I'm a Gentile, right? When I'm with weak people, guess what? I'm weak. When I'm with strong people, I'm strong. He's able to adapt all this, but how is he able to do it? The love of God is controlling him. It's urging him. And I love his last words that he said, I've done all this so that I would become God's partner. How is God going to reach people? What if they're at a totally different place? God, again, as we said, God is going to use His church to reach people. Well, if all we think is church is just this way, guess what? We've absolutely just cut out a whole group of people because they're not like that. What is the church? Paul even said other places, I've become all things to all men. Jesus, who was He? He was all things to all men. Well, here's the thing. If we can get free from what people think of us, our identity, well, this is my Christian background. I was born, you know, charismatic. I will always be a charismatic. That, that's great. And I'm not saying change the message. That, I'm talking about love. When we get to truth, now we don't change our message. All right, we'll get there. But why do we have to understand this? Is when I'm, because I come from a charismatic background. So me, I remember even trying to connect with some of my Baptist, Presbyterian buddies. I couldn't come at them from my charismatic background. They wanted nothing to do with me. So what did I do? I became like them to have contact and fellowship with them. What's, what's the big deal? Right? And I'm not saying I'm going to become that. 
I'm saying, I know who I am in Christ. I know who Christ is in me. I'm secure in my foundation teaching. I know who I am. I know the message that God gave me. But that doesn't mean that I can stop. You know, I'll just give it to you this way. Paul is declaring his five motivating principles for ministry that we just read. Can I just read it to you real quick? Number one is always start by finding common ground with those you want to reach. Common ground. Where are they at? You believe in Jesus? Okay, me too. Let's start there. Or if they're not saved, hey, you like basketball? Guess what? Me too. You got to start somewhere. Right? Number two then. I'm going to, uh, is it okay? Nobody's writing this. I don't want to go too fast. Number one, again, is finding common ground. Number two is I'm going to avoid projecting to others that I'm a know-it-all. Because remember, he came in as a servant, not a teacher. He didn't go to the Jews to teach him. He didn't go to the weak to say, All right, let me teach you. Right? He didn't go to the strong people to say, listen up here, people. No, he came in to serve. Right, because when you come in that level, guess what? Now you have influence. Right? And influence is what you need in order to effectively impact. Number three, accept everyone regardless of his or her issues. <laughs> accept them. This is where you're at? Great. But listen, and we'll talk about this. Love loves you too much to leave you in that state. Yeah. Now we got to get you going. Right. Okay, number four, be sensitive to the culture of others. <laughs> Very simple. And number five, use every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's it. Every opportunity. It may be so small. You don't got to preach at them. They're watching you already to begin with. Can I give you just a really cool example that I just had recently? And I'll just tell you my own personal. I'm sure a lot of you could share your own too. But uh, I, I, was at a, I, I played soccer, indoor soccer with a men's league. And uh, so there, there's another gentleman in this church. And he's been, he was talking to me. Uh, that there's a couple of guys on his team he's been trying to get to church and trying to, you know, show the love of God to and doing a phenomenal job. And uh, so he, they finished their game and they were going to watch our game. It was a playoff game. And so they sat in the stands and watched. And I, I just found this amazing is all of a sudden, like, I, there, there's a play going on. I was in the middle of a tussle. And I, I actually went to go clear the ball and I kicked it out of bounds. The ref gave the ball to us. And it was very last few seconds of the game. And so it was very, you know, very intense. And, oh, yeah, we got the ball. We got the ball. I kicked it out, so I actually said to the ref, you know what, ref, I, I actually kicked it out. That was me. And so the ref reversed the call. My team wasn't too happy about it, of course. <laughs> but after, afterwards, the guy, that's, the guy that comes to our church, he texted me and he said, that guy noticed what you did and it spoke volumes to him. He actually said, that actually opened him up for me to share Jesus with him. And he has. And actually, the next day I met them for lunch. It was just a really neat thing. Just to see how all that takes, well, how does it work? It doesn't have to come from preaching. Uh, ref, I actually kicked the ball out. That, that little scenario opened him up to hear the gospel. Are you kidding me? So that's what Paul's saying. Use every opportunity. All of a sudden, man, somebody left a, you know, dropped a $5 bill. Don't pocket the thing. It could be a great opportunity. Hey, man, you, you dropped this. Oh, thank you so much, man. Somebody would have just pocketed that and bought a, you know, a tall mocha somewhere. Yeah, no, not me. No, I love G. An opportunity just like that. So if you start seeing these things as opportunities, Paul's saying take advantage of them. Cool. Now, just a question that I asked myself and I'd like to throw your way. But what would church look like if we became what somebody else needed? Because we come, you know, we come in and this is who I am. This is what I like. I, I want my church parking spot. I want my seat. And, uh, you know, this is that. I better be warm in here. The worship better be good. Joel better be on or I'm out of here. What would happen 
Like, just think of it for a second. If we had a different thought, if I came to church or if I went out to my job and I actually became some, something for someone, what would that look like for you? What would that do? Right? It would change an entire thing. So if somebody took my parking spot, I wouldn't go, oh, I'm so glad that they got a good spot today. I wouldn't be thrown off by that. Can you just see that? I know that's a real fickle thing and we're more mature than that, but that's just a very itty bitty small person place. But the reality, this is the last point I want to make on love. The reality is how I love people is a direct reflection of how I love God. Because you cannot say I love God and not like his children. It is impossible. He actually said this in first John, in first John chapter four, verse 12. Do I have that on there? Maybe not. First John four twelve. it says this. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Nobody has seen God. But how is God actually seen and experienced is when love is absolutely compelling and controlling us in a conversation. I just, I like the, just the thought too is Paul found new discoveries for empathy. Do you know what empathy is? It's not sympathy, it's empathy. What is the difference? Empathy is, I want to see life from their shoes. I'm actually, like, one of the things I think Paul did too is, I'm going to go to the Gentiles, but I'm not going to come at them from this, you know, Hebrew mentality, this Jewish mentality. I have to become, like, think about it. Paul was well-versed in the law, right? You can read that in Philippians 3. He knew it inside and out. He knew the law so good. But now God's calling him to go to the Gentiles? Like, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. So what did he have to do? He had to find new avenues. I believe Paul had to learn how to be empathetic to these Gentiles, meaning I'm going to go into their shoes and look now at the word from this perspective, because how are they going to connect with me? How are they going to connect with God? They don't know the law. God never gave that to them, right? As far as these Jewish people, they're all unclean. So think about it, what it was like for them, man. Like you're a Gentile, you are unclean. You're not worthy, uncircumcised, <laughs> loser. Like that was the culture in it. Now Paul has to go into the Gentile shoe and look back, go, okay, this is how I can effectively get the gospel into these people. And that's what he did, right? And look at him. He's got them. His words are still being talked about 2,000 years later. Why? Because he decided to become something for somebody else. Man, I love that. Next, now, so there's love. So I got my love stick. Now, secondly, then, is now truth. Truth is now the stubborn commitment to whatever is honest and right, regardless of cost. I am unwilling to bend from what is true. Now, so you can see love... You know, love is, I'm bending to go into somebody else's world and hear from them. But now the truth part of me, because listen, if you just have the love aspect of it, and not the truth of God's word, you'll be very wishy-washy. You'll be able to like say, oh yeah, Jesus is just, you know, one of the ways to heaven. There's many. No, there's only one way. Right? This is the other side of it too. You've got to have that, oh man, that empathized side of it. But on the other hand, you need the truth of God's word so that you can effectively help people. Right? So why truth? Why truth? Because John chapter 8, verse 31, 32, we know this. Uh, do we have that? There it is. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. So anybody believe in him? So this is what he's saying to you. You are truly my disciples if, notice, if, just because I believe that Jesus is the Christ doesn't make me a disciple. He said, you are my disciples if, everybody say if. Notice he, he puts a cost on it. If you remain faithful to my teaching. 
So the other side of this is, is I've got to hold on to what Jesus says at all costs. Because again, remember, love, when Paul said this, I am free from the obligation of all men. None of these people, nobody in that, nobody owes me anything. I don't owe anybody anything. I'm free from all people so I can love them. Then on the other side of it, like Jesus is saying, I can remain faithful to his teaching. I'm going to give you the word because then we see in verse 32, if you hang on to my teachings, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Love doesn't set you free. You can love people all day long. It will never set them free. They'll have the same problems. They'll have the same addictions. They'll have the same cycles in their life until you give them some truth. When they receive truth now, oh, I see it. That truth now, what does it do? It sets them free. Love gives your truth the voice. That's why we hold on to love. Right? When you start speaking truth, what happens? Now love's got a voice. Right? So why truth? There it is, because truth sets you free. The second aspect is, truth sets you apart from the world. John chapter 17, uh, Jesus said this in verse 16, 17. Talking about you and I, they, talking about us, Jesus is praying for us. You do not belong to this world any more than I do. <laughs> Ain't that good news? Now he goes on, make them, Jesus is praying to God, he said, make them holy by your truth. Now what does the word holy mean? Don't get that thrown off. It means set apart. Jesus said, make them set apart by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. We have to know the word. If we don't know the word, we are easily deceived. And now love is actually crooked love. Because true love, it has to have truth. If you don't have truth, but you got love, this is very crooked. It becomes very selfish. And actually this, it becomes very flesh. Oh, you're living in adultery? Oh, go for it. That's, that's great. You know, God still forgives you. And is there truth? God does forgive you. Absolutely. But the truth is, stop it. Sin no more. Like Jesus never preached love and acceptance. Never did. Everybody just welcome. Yeah, come as you are. But Jesus loves you enough to not keep you where you are. He preaches love and repentance. And that's our message is, yeah, God loves you. But listen, you got to turn from that way. That is not, that's not God's way. No condemnation. But listen, now look at this way. Now this is how God called you and I to live. This is what you're able to do. This is what you're capable of doing because he's on the inside of you. <gasps> There's truth. Now I'm able to break out of the cycle. Right? And I can show you this next verse too is Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> and I know you, you see it on the screen, but I would like you to actually, if you can turn there. It's good to see this in your Bible. I'm almost done. Everybody okay? Just need a few more minutes. I'm just finishing up here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And look at verse 1. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Now is God worthy of your body? Is He worthy of every blink that you do? He's worthy of every breath that comes out of my lungs. He's worthy of every blink. He's worthy of every sigh. He's worthy of it all because of what He's done for me. He purchased me. And if you read it in context, Paul's actually saying, you Gentiles have actually been brought into the family. And he, Paul uses the terms, you've been actually brought into the tree. You're now, you're a branch. You were an excluded branch, but now God brought you in. You better be thankful. <laughs> it, this was, in times past, you were left out of the covenant, but God allowed you in. You should be very thankful. And as a Gentile, who once was a Gentile, I'm very thankful that it was given to us. <laughs> Right? 
for all that He's done for you, let them be a living, so talking about your bodies, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Verse 2, how do I do all that? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But, everybody say, let God. But let God transform you into a new person. How is God going to do that? I'm going to just pray. I'm going to just ask God, change me, Lord, change me, Lord, change me, Lord, change me, Lord. Is that what he's saying? I'm guilty of saying that prayer. God, just change me, change me, change me. That's not what's needed here. What's needed? Transform into a new person by changing the way you... Come on, what is it? Think. That's it. How do I change? His word, when I get His word on the inside of me, it changes the way that I think. I'm transformed because I think differently. I don't transform because I spent 24 hours in prayer. Listen, we are substituting prayer for mind renewal and that's not going to work. It's going to leave you frustrated and it's going to leave you going back in the same addiction over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Praying, God, just take away this alcohol thing. Take away this smoking. Take away this weed. Take away this pornography. God, take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Asking God to do that is not going... I mean, it's, you can talk to him. That's great. But that's not what he's saying is going to change you. What's it going to change? I need to have a new thought. And when I get a new thought, what's going to happen? I'm going to be changed. And then on top of it, when you start thinking differently, look what happens next. And this is the biggest question that I always get as a pastor is, what is my calling? What does God want me to do? Well, when you're starting, God's allowing to transform you by changing the way that you think. Look what happens. We say, then. Oh, then. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Look at that. All because of a brand new mind. You're going to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It shows three different levels right there. So to the degree that your mind is renewed is the degree that you're walking out the will of God for your life. That's it. So if your mind is renewed with His Word, the more that you get it renewed with His Word, the more that you're going to come to understanding what God wants you to do. Right? It doesn't, look, it doesn't say come by prayer and fasting. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. That's great. But He said if you change the way that you think, then God's going to be able to show it to you. I'll give you an example. Jamie and I knew, about, I think it was 2012, all of a sudden, we, like in, before this, when we first got married, we never had it on our heart to pastor. It was never... It was never even came up in conversation. We had different thoughts that we were going to do, and thank God for His mercy. And what started happening, Jamie and I, we just kept drawing into God. We started spending time with Him on a regular basis as a couple. We'd go before the Lord. I would start going to the Lord on a regular basis. I'd spend quality time with Him. And in that time, praying in other tongues, in other time, just reading His Word and understanding what God thinks, how He thinks about money, how He thinks about people, what He thinks about this situation, what He thinks about people, start getting that on the inside of me, the thought came to me is, I think you're going to pastor. What? God could not reveal that to me until I started having some of His mindsets from His Word. He wasn't able to show me because if God told me, no, you're going to pastor when I'm saying, I'm never going to pastor. He says, you're going to pastor. I would have, you know, put my feet in the ground. No way I'm not doing that. It would have all been carnal. But because a God was able to transform me by changing the way that I think, he was able to reveal more and more to us. And it doesn't stop there. Right now in the process, right now, I'm still getting my mind transformed. I need to, need to get renewed thinking on some things. Why? So I can know the good, 
Next, the pleasing and the perfect will of God. It's possible for you to do that. How? Change the way you think. Let God transform you by changing the way that you think. So that's why spending time in truth is absolutely necessary. You, just because you have an idea, because this is what my you know, uh, church background taught me because this is what, you know, the pastor that I had before, this is what he said about it. That means nothing. If you're still in the same place, let God transform you with his word, not by doctrine of other men. I, I, that's coming up in my heart. So I hope this is helping somebody. This, well, this is what my church taught back here. That doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. If it's unscriptural, unbiblical, forget about it. Drop it. Even though this is what my parents taught me. Forget about it. Why? Because God's trying to get you to the good and pleasing and perfect will. So let God. Everybody say, let God. That's what it is. As long as you keep holding on to your traditions. This is what I have. This is what I've been taught. This is what I know to be right. This is what I've seen in my Bible. If you're not letting God transform you by changing the way you think, let Him touch in some of those areas. Do you believe in healing? Well, yeah. Well, why? Why do you believe in healing? Well, that's what the church teaches. That is not good enough. That's not going to make it pass for you. You have to know this stuff for yourself. And where does that come from? Just Jesus' prayer. He actually prayed to the Father, teach them your word. So the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is willing now to teach us his word. Man, aren't you thankful for that? And the result is, I'm going to get transformed. Why? Because my mind's going to be different. Anyways. So just to close it off, i got two minutes. Love and truth. So together, love and truth, they balance each other out gloriously, resulting in the gentle and honest life of a believer. And then we can effectively, Ephesians 4.15, is we are able to speak the truth and love, helping people grow up into Him. Just loving people won't grow people in Christ. Just speaking truth won't help people grow in Christ. It's love and truth. Can you see that thing we have? Do we have Ephesians 4.15 on there? Guys, if not, it's just a good verse for you to have in your toolbox. We speak the truth in love. Why? So that everyone may grow more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And that's the result. That's what our job is as the church, is to speak the truth of love so people can grow up. How do we reach a whole community Let's just talk about like the homosexual community. How do we effectively reach them? Our job is not to change them. Our job is not to condone them. Our job is not to tell them that, that, that burn or turn, burn or turn. That never works. What is our job? Speak the truth in love. What do we got to do? I'm going to meet them where they're, where they're at in their shoes. That's the shoes. And like, I'm going to take on a different thought. Okay, I'm going to put myself in his shoes how he looks at the church? Okay, now I'm gonna to able to approach him from this perspective. Let, let me help you. It's a totally different thing. I've become, like Paul, I've become all things to all men. And it's not the church, oh, just leave him. Forget it, man, there's a lot of people we gotta reach. Like, I'm not gonna, I don't want the devil winning in anything. So what we gonna do is, people are set free by truth, but love gives truth its voice. So they work together. Barundunch. All right. And as I said lastly, to effectively do what we're called to do here at Impact Life Church, we have one hand on love and one hand on truth. And together, we will be a strong word-centered church in central Alberta. We will be a training and distribution center of leaders in every generation.
We will be a strong influence for God in our city, and we will be a distribution center of the word in every form. How do we know we're going to do that effectively? Here we are, just like this. Sound good? Awesome. Let's just pray together. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for you, Lord. We're so grateful for your goodness in our lives. Jesus, I thank you for every person that's in this room. And Lord, right now, I want to thank you that you are right now just revealing yourself to every person through love and with truth. Lord, we give you the praise. We thank you, Father. It's our heart's desire as Impact Life Church to be a church that you need, to be a church that you can partner with to carry out your will in central Alberta. Lord, it's our desire. It's our heart's desire to work with you, to reach people, to love people, and to effectively get your truth out of your gospel to change people. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Was that helpful for everyone? This, it brought some clarity. So what that all is, Pastor Sheila, you can come up. Um. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.